This is a Strategist, episode 1080. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, happy 4th of July. Ugh. Nathan's hot dog oh, eating contest canceled man. this year. Canceled. It's been canceled. It's canceled. I'm so upset. Why? What happened? I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm is gonna look. Joey Chess. Does Joey Chess not still exist? He. Oh, he does. Sure he, he had does. comments. Stand by. Stand by. <laughs> no, right. I'm sure he did. Okay. He's very much alive. Here's what I know: the fragments of information. Because I was rate limited, right? So the fragments of information. Yeah, I yeah. Have. So you got like half the story. There was a tweet thread. Yeah. And you got half of it, and that was it. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Nathan's hot dog. Before, before while I look this up. Uh, Carter, over to you very quickly. Um, this is going to be one of our ongoing debates. Uh, that is if we disagree. Yeah. Um, here's the, oh, it was it's almost canceled. There's some drama here. Okay, uh, Carter. Yeah. Uh, ketchup. Does it belong on a hot dog? Yes or no, Corey? Same question over to you in a second. Absolutely not. You put relish and mustard, the two best uh, chutneys there are. Both of them are spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Correct and get fucked uh, in that order. Uh, Corey, same question to you. Does ketchup, does it belong on a hot dog, yes or no? I don't think it belongs on a hot dog. It's not something I would put on, but I'll, I'll throw this back at you. Does barbecue yeah. sauce belong on a hot dog? Absolutely Fuck not. no. Only what one thing belongs about? on a hot dog, and it's mustard. Hot dog has one condiment on it, and it is mustard and no, is optional wrong. onions. That's it. Sauerkraut? That's it. You don't go with the sauerkraut? No. What is going no. on? No, no. There's okay. one thing going on. Uh, so, okay. This We're going to alienate up. everybody with these garbage takes that you two have. So, I think we should, uh, we should move on to You literally story. just asked me about barbecue sauce on a hot dog. Yeah, well, because I was sure on the, moral the answer would be, here. yes, of course, barbecue sauce belongs on a hot dog. No, it And then doesn't. as soon as you said that, I would say, explain to me the difference between barbecue sauce and ketchup. You know, it's it's basically like That's why they don't belong. a tanginess and, uh, okay, and I need uh, to read you know, some well. sugar. They told us it was canceled, Chestnut said. Oh, by the way, he won. Uh, we weren't sure we were going to eat today. He's the goat. We weren't, we weren't sure we were, sure we were going to eat today. Eat today. <laughs> that's, that's, just, that's, just right. that's dark. That's right. That is the quote. I'm just happy it's the 4th of July. I got to eat some hot dogs and get a win. Uh, it's affecting his vocabulary, but I mean, he wins yet again. 62 hot dogs in 10 legend. minutes. I mean, this guy is a legend. I don't know why it was almost canceled, but I'm glad he got to eat today, Carter. What? What? What drama? What drama? <laughs> I mean, it, it makes the last three days of us not recording look like nothing happened, right? Like, that was real drama. This is just us being bitchy, not recording. This is good. I like I'm it. still not understanding why it was almost canceled. I mean, I'm sure people are listening and will probably look it up in the meantime. Oh, other I'm, sure, I'm okay. sure they will not. No, no, they're loyal. They're loyal to the show. They will. Uh, it seemed like it was. A, they almost got rained out. So I'm glad they could eat today. For me, because there were rain delay was what was gonna. If it's like gonna, me almost getting canceled, it's usually some off the cuff comment that I make that I don't understand the I full like, ramification. Here's what I like about this, Carter. I like that in their options of re- of 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 rescheduling, they'd rather move the date than rather move it indoors because they, these people yeah. are conditioned to eat outdoors uh, rather than move in, in it to an indoor facility. I like that, Corey. Now, listen, I know nothing about this quote-unquote sport, but I'm going to have some strong opinions here about whether it can be outdoors in the rain or not. (laughs) It absolutely cannot be outdoors in the rain. So much of the technique of eating tons of hot dogs is dipping those buns in water so they go down faster. And if water is coming from the sky, your tactics are going to change materially. So I'm with the Nathan's people on this. But it's it's like playing playing football when it's snowing outside. No, it's not. Because if it's snowing outside, yes, and there's snow on the ground and there's snow coming from above, keep going. 
your your dipping technique doesn't change. I don't. I you know what? You're right. It is actually the exact same. But I'm still with the Nathan's people on this. Carter, I will die on this hill. Carter, yeah. Well, clearly, yeah. Obviously, I'm probably have coronary heart disease. Yeah. But Carter, I- now I want a hot dog. I've I've only brought chocolate yeah, cake. Me up. too. This is really- jeez. I'm a vegetarian and I want a hot dog. Ah, uh, let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment: rate limited, exceeded. Guys, let's talk about this. We were talking about this prior to the show. And I said, "Fuck it, why not talk about it right now?" Yeah. Um, for the political purposes. Is Twitter finally dead? Corey, this is the ninth nail in the coffin. Seems like Twitter's had nine lives in the last three months. Are you finally calling it over? I just want a quick take on this segment. I really wasn't planning to do it, but fuck it. You're sending me invites to something called Blue Sky. I don't use Twitter all that often, so tell me where your headspace is at Is that what that is? No. Later. Well, I think we have to acknowledge that most coffins are held together with more than nine nails. So there might still be some life left in, uh, in Twitter here. I don't know. There is so much to unpack on this. We don't even necessarily have a full understanding of why Twitter is limiting uh, tweets. We do know what Elon Musk said, which is too many people are scraping Twitter. So this is like an emergency measure. So you know, us us normal people, we get 600 tweets. I think if you're Twitter blue, you get what? a couple thousand yeah so so just to fill people in on the actual context of this segment uh, over the weekend i believe just maybe even last friday elon musk comes out and says listen uh those who got verified accounts which by the way you pay for now right, right. you pay a yeah. monthly subscription fee to, yeah. you can verified so much as yeah. it's, it's yeah, evidence yeah, yeah. that you have a credit card yeah that's right and and you're and you're willing to put down a, a, i think six or eight ten bucks a month um you can read ten thousand tweets a day if you're not verified, Carter, a thousand. So that includes the three of us. Yeah. We're all in the same camp. Um, or if you're a new account, only 500 a day. Um, this has kind of led to significant online backlash where people are like, what the hell? What's going on? Uh, I suspect even with you guys in some ways as, as Twitter power users, I call both of you that. I'm certainly not one. But Corey, you were saying that this is the, we don't really have a good understanding of the context, the rationale um, of, of, a, of a founder who bought a platform is trying to make it financially viable and is perhaps implementing a strategy for you to be on it less. In fact, tweets out saying, go outside, get off Twitter, like paraphrasing, but there was a tweet of his over the weekend that said pretty much that. Yeah, well, I mean, let's start with the obvious. Twitter makes its money based on you using Twitter, your eyeballs going past advertisements. So them rationing how much you could be on Twitter is not the strongest business model I've ever heard of. But... As was observed by somebody online, and I'm afraid I don't remember who, so I can't I can't give them credit. But you know, there are the crazy thing about Twitter going taking this step over the weekend is, um, so another thing you need to know is June 30th, Twitter basically said they're going to stop using certain Google Cloud services, and there was mm-hmm. some suggestion mm-hmm. that they oh, no longer funny. had the capacity to feed too many yeah. tweets, and this was part of why well, they were doing this. They certainly don't have the engineers left, that's for sure. Well, you know. okay, so let, let's just throw it all on the table. So there was the idea that they had the Google Cloud problem. They no longer had access to some of this baseline infrastructure. There was a suggestion that Twitter was essentially doing a DDoS attack on itself, and that its APIs were making massive API calls, and until they fixed the problem, they needed to to reduce access to it. There was the idea that uh, Elon Musk simply wanted to throttle access so that the addicts out there would pay their $6 US a month in order to get Twitter blue. And as as observed by, um, you know, this person online, 
the fact that Twitter stopped paying their hosting bill, and that was only one of like four theories as to why this was going down, tells you everything you need to know about the current state of Twitter. Like, they, we are just playing Calvin Ball here. He's making up the rules as he goes along. None of this makes any fucking sense. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, it's a real testament to the durability of the platform as a core idea and as a network and as a community that it's survived so long under Elon Musk. But we're at the 250-day mark with this guy. And holy shit, has he fucked this one up. He's fucked this up pretty badly. And um, and it's hard to imagine if this was part of a business strategy, that's a good one. And so I think I do sort of assume that something is fundamentally wrong behind the scenes at Twitter, like from a baseline infrastructure point of view. Carter, your, your take on this, and then I've got a question line that I want to spend the majority of this segment on. Your, your take on, on what's going on. And then let's move on from there very quickly. I just chuckle when Corey says, you know, Twitter makes its money on people using Twitter. Twitter doesn't make money. Twitter doesn't make money. Yeah, it's it, it didn't make money before. They're, well, they have revenue. They have they, revenue. They, yeah. they have less revenue now than they had before. They have less revenue today than they did when they were purchased for the uh, ungodly sum of, uh, you know, what was it, 44 billion? 40 some. Forty some billion. Uh, yeah. Forty four billion US so, because Elon Musk is a child and he's paid fifty four twenty you have, for you it have, per share. You have no firm ground to stand on. You too are a child. Do you remember when you had to tell Annalise about the uh, the bus bench because you couldn't hold it in anymore? That is a well, child do, action. Do you do you remember, Stephen, that we were not telling Zane that to see how long until Zane figured that Zane out? Zane doesn't even know what I, we're and, talking about right I, now. <laughs> I I really <laughs> I don't even know what this is. Exactly. I'm told to show but up. You're the child. The the same, but yeah. here's the point. Uh, he's a child with a lot of money. He spent his money and now he's trying okay. to spend less money. And everything here's- points to, everything points to, there's not enough money to pay all the bills. So he's starting to pay some of the bills. And if it means throttling down his users, um, then, then he's going to do that because that's all he's got left. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, I I appreciate that completely, and, and, and I don't want to get into an Elon Musk conversation. You, I don't. don't. I really, I really don't care about that. Here is what I do care about, though. Um, Twitter was problematic or had problems. Let yeah. me put it that way. Prior to the Elon Musk takeover, right? We we're talking about content moderation. To Carter's point, they were talking about revenue growth. There's business problems. There's platform problems, right? If it's fair to say, you guys, you sent me an invite to this thing, Blue Sky. I imagine, right? And, and just tell me if I'm right that it's similar to Twitter yeah, in it's that identical. It, okay. Here's the question I have for you. As communication strategists and specialists who've been on the platform for the last decade, it's not to say I haven't been, but I'm not just a power user, so to speak, like you guys. Um, I think he just called us losers. Do you feel like this form, do you feel like this form of communication? <laughs> Carter, I'll start with you on this. Do you, this is what I think is the most intriguing. Do you feel like this form of communication, this micro-dosing, bite-sized, untethered to form of communication is dead? Should we even be trying to recreate it societally? That to me is the most interesting thing. Like, should we just let Twitter die at death? Because, you know, and of course, there's going to be startups and other companies trying to replicate it as it leaves a hole. But give me your dispassionate perspective as a communicator, as a strategist, as a lover of sort of democracy and information. Do you feel like this form of interaction should not be recreated in that sense. I don't want you to give me your business take to yeah. see if there's an opportunity. I want to give me your communications, political, strategy, democracy take, because I think that's the most interesting conversation to me Well, right I now. think that this is uh, the second or 
third iteration of this actual platform being created and used because I would argue that Facebook kind of started like this as well. Um, it was more of a text-based uh, update type of thing. Uh, we're sharing information and sharing other links and things you might find interesting. This is a cute cat video. You should look at this cute cat video or whatever it might have been. Um, that sharing was easy and it was... Uh, entertaining. There's lots of things that we, you know, posted and then it became more and more and more and more. And we, and it became photos. It wanted to be Instagram. It wanted to be uh, scheduling. It wanted to create events. <clears throat> it became the everything app. Now I just saw an interview on TikTok because I'm not on Twitter that much because uh, TikTok is, is feeding me what I want now. And I saw an interview with Mark Zuckerberg where he's being asked, are they looking at doing uh, an app? Uh, that would rival TikTok? And the answer is yes. And I think it's because at the at the base level, we want to be able to find communities super easy that don't exist just of our friends. And Facebook's trying to do it with groups, but TikTok really nailed it down by making a searchable, um, a searchable type of platform where you can find other people talking about the things that you talk about uh, very easily. Reddit's got some of those those elements, but... This is, I think, a unique one because it's it's so easy to use. Corey, I'm going to come to you with that same question, but Carter opens up something that I think I think is interesting and perhaps is more personal to Carter than than to you, which is the community aspect on Twitter. And, and it may be personal to you too, Corey. But Carter, it seems like you have really had a community on Twitter. I mean, you're you're controversial on the platform, and you have been, right? But like, is is there a part of you, like, if, if I talk to you, like, as a political strategist, is there emotion around this platform going down for you, uh, or actually eroding for you because of the community you've been able to, to build, the credibility, arguably, you've been able to build on the platform? Like, talk to me from that lens a bit. Well, I mean, I, I do have a pretty good community. <clears throat> Excuse me, Zane. I'm going to die. You're getting emotional, yeah. I'm going to cry here because <laughs> That's it's fine. so important to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Do you need some I think water a piece of my chocolate cake that went, went down the wrong path. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a community on on Twitter. There's a community on I think all these different app, uh, apps. I mean, I don't have a community on TikTok, but I see lots of users who do have communities on TikTok. I don't have a community that I really dig into on Facebook, but I do on Trail Forks. I mean, each of these apps has their own community capacity, and the question really is where. You know, I've got a great community. Am I sad that it's disappearing on on Twitter? Yeah, I am sad. Um, I do get a tremendous amount of joy from Twitter. But yeah, I also get a tremendous amount of pain from Twitter. So, you know, I'm kind of a little bit mixed because if, if I could take the good elements of Twitter and not have to deal with the absolute pricks that exist there as well, um, then it would be a great platform. But I don't get to have that. I mean, it is a mixed bag to be sure, especially under the uh, the Musk leadership. Corey, do we need this form of communication in our in our lives anymore? Has Twitter failed on more than one level? Um, that's a weird question for me. I just Why? think it's a weird one. Uh, 
you know, Carter is talking about how great the community is. Uh, and if you could have the good and not the bad, well, wouldn't it be wonderful? I've heard the same thing said about every workplace I've ever worked in. You could say that about community writ large. I think that fundamentally, these are all poking at different ways that people connect with each other. And there's a desire to connect. And of course, we're all rooted in our phones. And having our phones be a portal to connection is a pretty natural band-aid that people have figured out, whether that be Facebook or Twitter or Insta or TikTok now or you name it. But like this is a constantly evolving space and and some of us just sort of die hard on different platforms. But the reality is Twitter was struggling with, you know, daily average users to begin with. You had you, Facebook's got the same challenge. This space just evolves. It moves on. And, and, you know, some people will take what works and some people will say, you know, we're not going to do that anymore. And, you know, you think about Snapchat, for example. Well, Instagram swooped in, stole some features they thought worked well, and and there you go. And they're all chasing each other, and they're all doing that. And you're going to have people like Blue Sky say, well, look, I mean, Twitter had a foundational core of tens of millions of users who used it for for news. And if their big problem with Twitter is just that it's Twitter, well, we can, you know, we can call it distributed, and we can shine it up in this particular way. And there you go, you can still have your Twitter. And, and if they manage to recreate that network and get a critical mass, then yeah, I'm sure there'll be a bunch of people who are using a tool like Twitter going forward here but you know it won't be quite the same it never is it's like how in 2005 president's choice nacho cheese chip dip was my favorite dip and then superstore stopped making it and every time i go to superstore i look for that dip i look for that dip and do you know what it's never there why would you because they don't make that dip anymore why like our listeners are not going to be prepared at all but what i end up doing is i buy a different nacho cheese chip dip and you know what? It's it's not quite as good as I remember it, but it's probably the same and nobody cares and everybody moves on with their life. Their nacho cheese hole will be filled somehow. Some I don't way. think we can say and I that, that having on big there. existential to, conversations about that Twitter. Is, the nacho cheese I, I, hole? I get that. No, no, I get that. I, I Listen, this, I, I, the community aspect was very much for Carter. To you though, Corey, the question is this text-based micro-dosing form of communication. Is that a failure? And as Twitter no. indicated, no. Tell me why. No, listen, I mean, because I'm old enough to remember when we used to do that with T9 keyboards before we even had full keyboards. Like this idea of sending quick text messages to people, we have a hundred different ways to do it now. I mean, I'd argue WhatsApp in some ways is a bit of a Twitter, uh, you know, it's taken chunks of it and it it provides things. Telegram, obviously, uh, more popular in other countries. But the ability to kind of rapidly scroll through text, it's why television didn't entirely destroy the newspaper. Radio didn't destroy the Mm. newspaper. People like to read. People like to be able to distill information quickly. And, um, And yeah, it's not going away. We're going to leave that segment there, move it on to our next segment. Our next segment, Stephen Carter, Flip Flop. I talk about this every year, and I love to talk about it. Carter, it's the Calgary Stampede. It is here, and I want to talk about it very quickly from the perspective of what it means to the politics of our province. We're on the heels of an election. The question I have to you, Carter, is does the Stampede matter at all on the heels of a provincial election? It is a time where we've called it the political petting zoo. Federal politicians from all over come to see it. You see politicians glad-handing, attending GR events, attending community events. The question I have fundamentally is, does the Stampede matter at all after an election, or is it just a, a real advantageous petting zoo prior to an election? Talk to me about this. I think that that for those of us that are really tied up in elections, that it, it you know, it loses a little bit of its luster after an election. But realistically, most people aren't tied up in it 
like they just want to see their politicians and what a great way to be seen. You know, you're flipping those pancakes, you're smiling at people, you're, you know, pouring the syrup onto their pancakes. You're giving them the scoop of fruit. If it's a, if it's a high end stampede breakfast, otherwise they get, you know, the piece of overcooked sausage. I mean, it's, it's all very exciting and people will line up and they will get their free breakfast as they have for the last 100 years. And uh, politicians will hand them out with a smile and people will have access to those politicians in a way that, frankly, we don't have every single day. Plus, you know, we will still see the march of other political levels um, all out to Calgary to to do what they do. You know, Justin Trudeau will be here. Jagmeet Singh will be here. Um, You know, like... uh, Pierre Polyev will be here wearing a higher level of clothes as predicted in, in our last episode by me, because I'm always right. So, you know, this is what we're expecting from, from Stampede. It doesn't change just because we just had an election. It is a timeless classic when everybody comes out here and feels a little bit dirtier and a little bit grosser and a little bit worse for, you know, being here. Corey, leading up to an election, the stampede makes sense. Retail politics, awareness, showing your, your, your sort of understanding of Calgary. And I put that in air quotes sort of thing, uh, because in some ways it is a bit of performance art in its own right. On the heels of an election, same political value, different political value. How do you assess it top line, Corey? I think that the stampede that matters the most from the politician's point of view, I yeah. want to be clear, is yeah. the stampede before an election. The second most important stampede is the one right after an election, though. Hmm. You know, the ones that are sort of in the middle are the ones that don't matter. This one actually, you know, stampede, post-stampede elections matter a lot in, in a couple of different ways. Let me throw a couple of them on the table Yeah, 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 you. sure, sure. One is um, I'll, every group that is now seeing the result of this election, which I would hope to God is everybody. Well, let's just talk about Alberta politics, but there's also a federal politics angle here. Of course, too, and I've been starting with Alberta as the core, but yeah, yes. Yeah, totally. Um, is going to now be saying, okay, we're going to see, like the thing about Stampede, we might've talked about this in years past, but I just want to say it again, is it's not like you see one person at one event, you end up being in a traveling road show where you're at like the same, wild. of like eight different events in a row, you're seeing the same people. Yeah. Like there is just a crowd of 3000 people in this city who go to political tide Stampede events, right? Yeah, And so yeah. there's thinking like, who are we trying to get to? What are we going to say to them? How are we going to create first impressions for our organization in those particular places? So they are really sweating how those first interactions go. The, and so as a politician, those are high meeting interactions for you, be, not because they mean anything to you. They don't. You're drinking from the fire hose. You've just mm-hmm. finished an election, especially if you're a new politician. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's such an asymmetry in how much people care about that meeting at this particular moment really, really important. And you can make a massive impression if you as a politician have command of that particular event. In a way you can't in a year two or a year three stampede, frankly, right? Because by then your your wallpaper, your furniture, everyone's like, oh, there's the minister, right? Hi, oh, there's the minister. And, and, and those interactions don't mean particularly much. So that's that's one part. The second part is like, you're probably not very good at this yet if you're a first MLA. And this is yeah. like, this is like, a mini degree in glad handing. You get to go to 30 events. If you want over to, the course, sure. If yeah. you want to, over 10 days, 30 events seems low. 30 events okay, in the if first you're three days, if you're a good politician. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Because you were just going event to event to yeah. event to event. And that's an, that's an awful lot of reps. 
Like you talk about the whole like Malcolm Gladwell, you know, like 10,000 hours, hours in yeah. the gym sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of fucking reps in, in this uh, particular period. And if you're a politician who uses them, you will find yourself markedly better by the end of the summer. Uh, don't be the politician who sits there with other politicians and avoids talking to the crowd and avoids going out. So it's an immense training opportunity for new politicians as well. So those are the two main reasons why I think it actually matters a lot, the the uh, stampede right after an election. Oh, this is good. Carter, I want to start with one of the points Corey brought up. If you're one of the, if you're either of the leaders right now, Rachel Notley or, or yeah. Daniel Smith, are you telling your first timers you're signing up for everything and you're 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 camping out in Calgary. You're building these muscles over the course of the next ten days. Are you mandating that, or are you are you less sold than Corey that that this can be a mini ten day degree for you? What are you doing if you're if you're chief of staff to, to either of the two uh, um, opposition leader or the premier? More than that, I'm telling them that they have to host their own events within their own ridings. Right now, they can group together and they can do you know like there was groupings within uh, the NDP. Uh, campaign so we can put you know glenmore and acadia together and we can have those you know diana and najwan host a uh, stampede event but we i want to see who's got the chops to quickly throw together an event right after they just got elected because you know what campaigns are tricky and you know you can just shut off afterwards and say oh we're done now we're done you're never done right? You're never done. There's there's times when there's less pressure and there's times when there's more pressure. But right now is the opportunity to really test your muscles and to see if you've got what you need to have um, to, to press the flesh, to have people come to your events, to really showcase who you are um, to the leader. I mean, th- you know, everybody's going to go to the premier's breakfast. Everybody's going to go to that breakfast. Well, that's, that's fine. But what are you doing, right? Can you draw 800 people from your own community? Um, let's see right now. Let's see if you can do that because oh, that's interesting. what matters. So you, it's a test as well. It's not just how you interact or your, no. your kind of performance extroversion and your ability to meet people. It's can you continue to draw and organize as well, right? It's a small cost to pay to host a breakfast, but it's, it's quite revelatory is what you'd say. It all comes out of the... the you know, the budgets of these, uh, the caucus budgets or your, your, your MLA's office budget. This is, this is baked in. This is what's going to happen. You are going to do this. So let's see who can do it. And I don't want to hear any fucking excuses. Well, we just got elected. My volunteer group is tired. You know who makes those excuses? Losers make those excuses. We want winners in this caucus. Go put together the events that you need to put together. Well, you know, we don't have time to advertise. Yes, you do. You can advertise on Twitter. I understand it's dirt cheap. Get out there. Put these <laughs> things out there, right? So this is this is just an opportunity to show who's organized and who's not organized. Corey, talk to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. And again, I think you've got to keep in mind for a lot of community groups, they now know who their MLA is. They want to meet their MLA. And I really want to stress... These are different reps than candidate reps. It's a different thing to be an MLA or a minister than it is to be a candidate. Because Mm -hmm. as a candidate, there's a certain gregariousness and openness. And in particular, if you're a government MLA, you need to learn the subtle art of not committing, right? <laughs> like you've got to be able to go there and have them be your buddy, but have absolutely committed to sweet fuck all along the way. Yeah, and that's, right. that's a real fucking art because people Especially- will try to buttonhole you from day one. 
Well, and I'd say especially if you're seeing the same folks over and over again, and they can re-engage you with that conversation for the fifth time over I'm the course of a week. I'm not going to shock anybody here by saying those groups I was talking about who are like, oh, we're going to meet with the minister, they all have asks. They all have lists that say, if we get the minister to know one thing about my organization, it's this. If they know the one ask of my organization, it's this. And then they are. They're going to badger them at every event uh, if they're any good. Most of them are not. And most of them will think, well, I asked once and they'll move on with their lives. We'll get, we'll get into that in a second i want to talk about strategy of how you bump into folks accurately but keep going on your point yeah and and so that's all good what steven said is good but i would i would go a little bit harder if i was rachel notley or danielle smith and and give some some targets here especially to the calgary mlas i like what carter said about hosting events i would say you've got 10 days host three events have a donor event have a public event have a stakeholder event go Right. I expect to see some good turnout at all of these events. I expect you to attend four events a day. I expect you at those events to have 10 meaningful interactions an hour that your EA is logging and identifying or your constituency manager. That's somebody that I've now got on a Rolodex card. Not literally, folks. You know, in a computer is fine. But like that's a connection that I have now made. And that should result in 10 follow up meetings that you offer. Most will fall through, most will not happen, but at least they know you've made a connection and you've attempted to get them somewhere on the calendar. And by the way, one final rule I would give if I was Danielle Smith or Rachel Notley to a bunch of people who are newly drunk on power, don't get regular drunk. You get one drink every two hours at these boozy events. You're going to sit there with either a non-alcoholic beer or a beer that you nurse like it's a baby's bottle. And you are going to keep control of your faculties and you're going to do everything else I said on the list because you are not there to have a good time. You are there to be a good MLA and be a good politician. I like the last point Corey brought up. Carter, I want your reaction to that. But I want to get into now the nitty gritty of Stampede because Corey's brought up one of those points. Politicians have rules around consumption. Around consumption of alcohol, Corey just mentioned, but also consumption of food. Many just say, we're not eating. We're flipping the fan cakes. We're never going to eat them. You never get caught eating, right? Oh, Even yeah. best, right? You never get caught eating as like we've talked about that as, as from a political imagery perspective. But also you never get caught eating in the sense that you've got another thing to go to. You're eating in the car. You're, you're on granola bars and cliff bars the whole time. So Carter, react to what Corey said here. And then I want to get into, uh, I want to clarify a point with Corey before I kind of get into my, my next uh, sort of... Uh, the topic on the stampede here, but your reaction to what I think is totally right. Especially like the drinking one. I mean, there have been so many politicians that have a tendency to get a little inebriated and view the stampede primarily as an opportunity to drink uh, party and get, and use their, their newly found gravitas to get into all these special parties um, where, you know, oh man, we get into the VIP sections. We don't even have to stand in line. Yeah. There's a cost to that. The cost may not be monetary, but every single one of those people that's letting you into those events is going to call come a calling uh, for something from you later. Uh, so don't be running in, don't be running up your tab on on their alcohol. Don't be you know don't be behaving like buffoons. And so many of them do. I'm I mean I've made the calls to politicians and uh, that I've had to say you're going to have to explain to me. What the fuck you were thinking when you were getting hammered at this event? Mm-hmm. I've had to make mm-hmm. those calls. It's not a fun call to make. Yeah, I, it's an even worse call I, to get. A worse call to get. So behave yourselves. And I swear to God, if you fuck your assistant, you're done. You're done. Because that's what happens when you get drunk. That's what happens. I wish I was joking. Or you're going to react. I, I mean, I wish you were too, Stephen. But... Corey, let's talk about that asymmetry 
I think that's so interesting. Is this too simple? I wrote this down. The stampede before an election, you're trying to make friends as a politician, and the stampede after, everyone's trying to be your friend. Is that yeah. is that is that kind of what no, you're trying to that's say? That's pretty spot on, right? And and the thing about the the stampede before an election is. If you haven't been their friend for four years, they're going to say, yeah, fuck you. You've shown up a little late here or, or mm-hmm. you know, or you're going to be facing that kind of resistance. And certainly they will come with their list of demands very crassly put at that particular moment, because then the transaction, you know, the power is all on the other side. But on the, the first one after, it's like, okay, we're going to have to work with this government. You know, maybe they yeah. didn't think that person would be government. Maybe they don't have any kind of connections over there. Maybe they're more associated with the other side. Imagine, for example, you're the Calgary Chamber of Commerce and you were somewhat critical of the government. Maybe you're trying to walk that back a little and making it clear you'll work with anybody. And listen, I don't think the chamber crossed no. any lines, just to be yeah. really clear. But... I think that, you know, that's that's something that you're going to be acutely mindful of. And so you're going to have your ask and you're going to have the things you want to present yourself as and the things you want to be known as. And you are really sweating that. That asymmetry to you, that's the biggest conversation you're going to have all week, right? Mm. If you mm-hmm. manage to get the premier or the minister, that's the biggest conversation you're going to have all week. To them, you're one of, I don't know, I said 10 meaningful interactions an hour and four events a day. Like you are one of thousands of interactions for these people. Yep. One of literally fucking thousands. And and in some ways, this is kind of like, you know, very classic theory, you know, where if you've got, you know, more suppliers on one side than you have buyers, well, then, you know, all the power is with that one buyer. Yeah. Carter. Yeah. This is about. Okay, you put your hand. Yeah. Up. Well, this is about. I, mean, I wanted you to ask me about staffers. Because this is well, this is where you really test your staffers well, go, too. Go, because go, go down that path. The, go down that path because it's not just similar to where yeah, I wanted the to go. staffer. So when you're the staffer in this role, and I remember I was I was staffing Joe Clark through these. I mean, so we would have Joe Joe would go ten a day. I'm not even joking. We do we do at least six days of ten events a day, and by the end of it, it was just like we'd have a driver who would drop us at somewhere and pick us up at the appointed hour. My job was to make sure that he got. We would usually have someone at the event who would meet us at each event. We would then be dragged through the event, meet the key people that we needed to meet. He would never even look at a pancake. That was just something that was never going to happen. Um, And if you hadn't eaten beforehand, you were not going to get a chance to eat because you were off to the next event where you're going to shake the next set of hands. And so people, you know, where there's another person waiting for you. But Joe would have, you know, would say, have you given your information to Stephen? Have you got your information to Stephen? Does he know how to reach you? Because, oh, that sounds really interesting. We're going to have to follow up on that. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm really... Stephen, take a note. Stephen, did you you get that? Did you... You've got his contact information, right? Let's make sure that we set something up in the next two to three weeks, knowing that person's gone on vacation in the next two to three weeks. We we know that that person's not going to be available. Well, we're going to be putting something together because that person's offering... Uh, something very interesting that we need to listen to um, or or whatever. But the staffer is moving so hard, um, especially the primary body person. That staffer is working to gather all the information, remember what matters, prioritize it afterwards, and then make sure that all the follow-up happens. And we are literally talking about, you could be dealing with a thousand contacts, each one of which is going to have to be prioritized and followed up upon. Corey, you're 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 thinking here. Yeah, can I be also immensely cynical about the government relations business for a moment here? Of course. 
Aren't we all? I like to get. I mean, why not? Right. <laughs> I got like twelve invites next week to GR events. So so yeah, there's later. there's like a there's an art to what Stevens just talked about. Of course, so I, I'm going to use this Joe Clark example, and it's Joe Clark saying Joe Clark's playing his part. He's saying, "Oh, I would love to meet with you, Stephen. Get that information. We're going to set something up in the next couple of weeks, knowing full well the odds of calendars aligning are zero, yeah. and that this meeting is going to be pushed off probably months, months, months if it yeah. ever happens at all, right?" But now you're the, you're the principal who's had that interaction. The GR person on the other side of that interaction is like, we got the meeting, yeah. you know, because their win metric is you had such a good conversation with that person and we've got a follow up meeting now set. Right. And so they don't have an interest in calling bullshit on this. The politician doesn't have an interest in acting in a fashion that would call bullshit on this. Yeah. And so it, basically everybody around the person who is talking to that you know, that politician is telling them how good that interaction is and how meaningful it was and how powerful it was. And yeah, the calendar is in the line right away, but don't worry about it. You saw how good that meeting was. Boy, he really liked you. I saw how he engaged with your your competitor over there. Making me cry. Basically, I've seen this so many times. I, you have too, I'm sure. So <laughs> yeah. many times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pretty meaningless interaction. Oh, yeah. like a, a completely <laughs> meaningless interaction that will be forgotten by the politician seconds later. So I'm so sorry to be bursting the bubbles of any executive out there who is hearing this and being like, oh shit, that happened to me last week. Guess what? Didn't mean anything to anybody else. Okay. But yeah, I mean, like the reality well, is everybody is playing that game, Zane, and that's the point that I wanted to make. This is one of the areas I wanted to tackle, so I'm glad you brought it up. Carter Stafford is another, so I'll come back to that. But Corey's on this topic. Let's talk about this. Carter, how do you have a meaningful interaction with a minister or a uh, premier or someone you need – as, as an organization or as someone who wants to get another follow-up conversation or a meeting? And, and more so, I kind of ask – how do you do it and not being annoying? Because it's not just one meeting. You're trying to bump into this person multiple times over the course of 10 days. In fact, it's part of your strategy to be like, hey, you again, right? Full well knowing that the only reason you're there is to bump into that minister or one of yeah. the few people that you wanted to talk <laughs> yeah. to. Right? And so you know that. They might know that if they're savvy, if they know that what your file is. They know how, that. So then how do you do it, Carter, that's, that tries to add as much meaning? And that tries to not make you just on an interpersonal level annoying as fucking shit. Because I, I imagine they have thousands of conversations. Five of them with the same person starts to get pretty annoying if they're annoying. They're all annoying. I mean, to be clear, um, every single one of those. Co- you know, the only ones that aren't annoying, the guy or the, the person you meet in the back of the room who's like, I am so fucking over this. I am. So, I mean, I remember being in one of those chuck wagon booths you know like we're, we're sitting in the grandstand and i'm like yeah. i can't talk to another person if i talk to another person i will kill them and someone sits down beside me and just says i brought you water yeah and that and then they don't say another fucking word now all of a sudden <laughs> i'm interested in who that person is because that person's just being kind and they haven't asked me for fuck all and that person i'll go so what's your what's your deal you know who it is invariably yeah. It is, it is the partner of someone who's trying to get, you know, to deal with the primary. Uh, it is yeah. never yeah, someone yeah. who doesn't have something to ask for. If you don't have something to, to ask, if you have something to ask for during Stampede, low play. Because the low play will be remembered. The hard play will not. It just is impossible. Is, is the advice almost don't ask for it? I know I'll get to you, Corey. Yeah. Corey's eager to get it on this point. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, well, listen, like, 
I, I just got to say, like, even if I thought that was an interesting tactic here, yeah. and let's be clear, it's not really a strategy so much as it's a tactic, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not anymore because you've said it on a podcast that tens of thousands of people listen to about political strategy. Literally anything we say here will be bad advice because the, 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 the actual strategy here has to be break the mold. If you want to be remembered by these people, you have to be different from literally everybody else that they're talking to. And so as they are very polished, creating their messages and saying, you know, there's just like one thing I need you to know about this place or, you know, one thing that my company could do for the government here. You can't be that person. And I don't know how to tell you how to not be that person because the minute I say it or Steven says it or even Zane says it, that's now out there, right? And it's not going to be a thing anymore. I like that it was even Zane, as if like if I came up with an idea, that that would be usable. Even Zane. Even (laughs) Zane could come up with something that would then be unusable. I think that sentence works basically every day. I think think it always does. Thank you. I appreciate that. Corey, what would you what would your take be like on on how not to be annoying when you're trying to bump into that same person multiple times for your or even if it's just a FYI we exist in the ether and and I'm glad you know about us now that's the basis of your ask how do you not be annoying about it how do you not be someone that stands out to your point in the wrong way well again like I feel if I say it. It we'll will now become annoying, right? No, but I'm I'm serious. But like, it would be even just saying like, "Hey, listen, you know this this is a funny like ten days. Everybody's yeah. trying to get your ear. I'll make you a deal. I'm not going to bother you for the next eight events on this same bloody thing. But we are actually going to talk about this because it's really important that you know about this. So can you make that deal with me? We'll make that like you would do something fun like that. You can't anymore because I've now fucking said it again. But you've got to be aware that desperation is a stinky cologne. You can't come off as somebody yeah. who's just like, like way too thirsty for the interactions. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and you've got to find a punchy, memorable way that people remember you, remember your key message, remember your asks. And that is sort of the nature of PR. That's the nature of advertising. And those tactics are ever shifting. Said this before in different contexts, but the very first person who put up one of those inflatable arm guys at yeah. the side of the road sold a shit ton of cars that month. Guaranteed, yeah. right? Oh, I've never seen that. That's caught my attention. Oh, that's at a Chrysler dealership. I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to get myself one. You know, didn't work by the time they were on literally every corner. And, and so the tactics in in the attention business, and we are all in the attention business in some way, shape or form, the tactics in the attention business are ever shifting based on trends, based on saturation. So you've just got to find a way to be in your own space, you can't seem desperate about it. You can't be desperate about it because well, then you will seem desperate and you just got to figure it fucking out. Yeah. Well, Carter, you know, this is this is actually a very interesting topic to me around how you get the ear of, of someone who's clearly got the leverage in the sense of they've got what you need and there's this weird 10-day scenario. How much of a risk should someone take to stand out, Carter? If you were giving a client advice, let's say they're asked tomorrow was, was, was a particular minister to stand out, let's just say they're 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 like, you know, uh, they're like, yeah, how much of a risk should they take if this is like their first and only sort of first foot forward with a, with a new minister that could be on their file for two, three, four years? I, I don't know if I'd take much risk at all. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I Would think- you want to be one of the forgettable conversations and then just hope you're one of the folks that has aligned calendars or can follow up in some way? No, I, or would I you would actually say, you know, ask, I'm going to try to be a bit different. I would hope that my ask is strong enough that it can exist outside of Stampede. Right. Like this, this mm. is the, the greatest uh, public relations activity in, in Calgary. It's one of the best in Canada. Um, 
you know, but public relations doesn't necessarily equal um, government relations. And the, just because the government is making sure that they are hearing everybody that's around doesn't make doesn't mean that they're listening to anyone. So my, you know, the, the hearing versus listening discussion would be really difficult. If I was advising a client for this, I mean, fuck, you know what I do? I try and get the fuck out of Dodge. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be the guy who even appears to be the one looking for the minister's uh, ear. I don't want to be the person who even looks like I need something from these guys. I want to appear like I am above all of this, and maybe that's the risk that I would take. Is really, I am so like, I am such, I am so much better than this opportunity. Is something that I would love to be able to message. Corey, I need your take on that. Uh, to me, on the surface, that seems like, I mean, if you think it's a zero-sum game, you'd probably be like, fuck, I'm losing if I'm not here. But Corey, your take on this? Um, my take is that the reason the relationship at Stampede doesn't work as well as you want is that asymmetry we talked about. Yeah. This, this allusion to Porter's Five Forces I was talking about, you know, where you have too many suppliers and only one buyer, right? So you've got to look for different relationships there. And there's a very obvious one at Stampede. And I think it's a great in if you have both the right personality, if you're at the right level, all of that. Work the staff. You know, the staff are often, especially if there's more than one person going with the minister, there's probably the body person. And then there's probably a couple of hangers on or people around who, you know, often don't have that profile, don't have people coming up to them all the time, but do do get the minister's ear and it is an interesting avenue in, in my opinion, a, a lot of the time. And, and so make sure you know who the people around the minister are too. Think about this in terms of concentric circles. Yes, the minister's at the center. Who are the people the minister listens to that are going with the minister to these events that are around the minister? And quite often, can I tell you in my experience going to many events, mm -hmm. they're often standing alone. They're often they watching the the stuff from across the way. I'll often at events, especially events that like my employer is hosting. If I see someone standing alone, you know, because you want them to have a good time, I'll go up, I'll introduce myself, I'll talk to them. I would say about 50% of the time that I do that, that person ends up being a political staffer and will even be like, hey, no, I'm just here for them. Yeah. You know, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Doesn't Waiting until someone asks me to take a picture or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, mean yeah. you have to stop talking to them. You're like, oh, that's cool. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, and, then, and you can have a conversation with them. You can give your card. You know, you, you can make it more about your interaction with them than your desired interaction with the minister and just say like, yeah, that's it's a really cool job. Maybe you've got a connection. Like, oh, I did a job like that when I was, you know, when I was around your age, if you're older or, or something like that. And know just make yourself open and make sure that you're making connections to the people that the minister cares about and has connections with carter there's a few still a few more threads i want to pull on here but here's one that cory cory's just uh introduced as well he answered the staffer question that i wanted to get to ultimately that you brought up yeah. around do you lobby the staffer and so i want your take on this before I, I get to the next part of this which is around hosting and organizational hosting and and the value around that so carter give me your take on staffers and then we'll move to the to the next part i just love that i mean i think that you know having been the staffer i mean it's just a brutal day um often these ministers that are coming out are bringing out people who have literally no connections in the market they are you know they're, they're this is their first stampede likely their only stampede i guarantee you they're not wearing the right costume and they're self-conscious about it um you know like there's there's all kinds of things that just being nice to them is going to probably help you a hell of a lot more than actually you know, trying to pigeonhole their minister and get your message across. So I really, I really well, do like that. 
And listen, okay. it's it's about the relationships that you connect. You don't need to be like, oh, great, let me tell you about my organization's yeah, no. ass. You're not right? lobbying like, them. That, that would, no, yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah. Make the connection, right? That connection will be productive. If you're in an organization that works with the government, that will be productive in a lot of different ways that you can't even anticipate right now in month one of a government. I, I think it's really just about being a decent human being who likes to network and, and connects with people. And remembering that the network is not just one person. Like the, We put so much on the one person but that one person looks so big because they have an army of people around them and it's the army of people you've got to pay some attention to as well Well, hey carter what what if uh, i'm just going to give one more hint and that is you know if you do find a political staffer in the wild and they are not having you know they're not having a great time or they're just kind of sitting on the side uh bring up the strategists uh they listen to the strategists (laughs) oh man Uh, it's like a given uh that they're going to hear that they know exactly who we are and uh, give us then the feedback. I mean, which which minister staff uh, listens the most? Which minister staff uh, loves us the most? I mean, all of them do. But this is a great piece of feedback for all of us. Also, be aware, as I said, because we've now said yeah. this, staffers are going to be deeply cynical about every conversation. We've ruined conversations I, during I like staff. You feel like we've got a hundred percent penetration. We have a hundred percent penetration rate. We have a hundred percent. I don't think you've seen our okay. numbers, Zane. You don't pay attention yeah. at I get all. The numbers. I see how many government servers are downloading our episodes. It's embarrassing. So. Actually, he's yeah. stalking them and you know putting advertising on their server. <laughs> before I get to before I get to host, actually, let's just get to hosting because I think the last one will end on. Um, Carter, if an organization came to you and said, am I okay attending eight events where I can accidentally bump into a minister? Do I need to host something? I've got an ask. Um, you know, I've got maybe got a bit of money. I can probably pull together a couple hundred of my sort of my concentric circles to fill a room and we can invite folks. Do we host something or do we just keep going around the block? Like, oh, what, what do we do here? I, mean, I find that interesting in the sense of organizations that have something and maybe even have a bit of resources, would you suggest that they just be seen everywhere or do they expand their circle, expand their network to try to bring the minister in? Sort of well, thing? That's interesting because one of my clients is, is was wondering the same thing and they're coming and they're going to go to a bunch of events. Um, I didn't say don't host an event. Like they've concluded, yeah. they've concluded that that's what their strategy yeah. is, right? Okay. You know, my, my advice was if you want to host an event, make sure that it is for a reason not to host politicians. So if you've got internal stakeholders mm. that you need to, to, to win over, you know, then then host the event for your internal stakeholders. If your internal stakeholders don't give a shit if you host an event, then don't host an event. Go to other people's events. Um, because at the end of the day, you don't need to be the host of something. And there is nothing worse than putting together an event to host a politician and no one comes. Oh, I, I was just oh, going to sure. say, yeah. like, yeah. would the event be a failure if the minister didn't show up? Yeah. Then probably don't do the event. Yeah. Right. That, well, that's my advice. I, I think that's great advice. I guess the, po- the, 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 the point I wanted to make was in the follow up, is it helpful when you follow up with that minister or their staff to say we met at X event versus we met at our event? Is there any difference between someone you're meeting on your turf versus meeting on mm. neutral turf? That's got, I guess that's Jesus. the, and I, I'm, this is nerdy of me, but I feel like this is fascinating to me in terms of like, I mean, these are probably the calculations organizations are going through, right? Yeah. And no, thinking I, about like, we met on our turf. You, we hosted you. There's a I bit of like that equity or capital. You're making it. They go to so many events yeah. a day. They're not you, even, A, it's not great if you hosted them and you're having to reintroduce yourself. Let's put it touche, that way. Touche. But like, they go to so so, so many events. Like, you, you're getting no credit for that. Like, you put on a stampede of... Congratulations. You put on a like stampede everybody event. everybody else. You and literally everybody else in the city. 
Right. Plus, you know, um, you could literally go into their office and say, we met at this event. And they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, good to see you again. No <laughs> fucking clue. You know? Yes. Yeah, any any politician <laughs> worth their weight will say, oh, oh my God. Course, In fact, awesome go to Nelson for the week and then just say that anyway. We're going to Revelstoke. Say. We're going to uh, Revelstoke and hey, Golden. Hey, so if you want to if you want to see us during Stampede, oh, you're, you're, see you You're Revelstoke not going to attend the GR circuit, Carter? Is it, yeah, that's so sad. No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in a little secret. I don't like GR guys, <laughs> and I am not a GR you're guy. You're not, you're not even coming to the Smiley Breakfast. That's the no. I'm going to come to the Smiley Breakfast, but that's only because they okay, got good, the best menu. That is yeah. spe- spectacular. Uh, Insider hey, tip: listen, That's the breakfast to go to. That is actually yeah. a good breakfast. Yeah. Um, question for you: Social skills. Can we talk about social oh, yeah. skills for a second? We're the people. Here's we're the, the reason I want to talk about social, social skills. <laughs> Here, here's what's interesting to me, because at the end of the day, this is flexing one of the muscles that you would want as an MLA, which is the retail politician side, right, Corey? So this is like your 10 day degree in one module. This is not the be all end all of doing your job, right? And I don't think we were saying that, yeah, but yeah. it is one module. But Carter, first impressions also matter. So do you want folks to meet your critic or your minister while they're still learning? these skills they'll be good at day 10 but like suppose i meet you in day one be like fuck that minister is a total dumbass right how many times have we heard that from folks being like fuck this guy just does not know what he's doing like are you concerned and i go back now to the politicians question as a leader as a chief of staff as someone running the party apparatus that people are getting their degree while having live wire scenarios there's no sandbox that they're playing and they're actually getting their degree in first impressions you're eager to jump in here so See, lay, lay I, I was gonna say no no doesn't matter doesn't matter and then i remembered the first um stampede that the ndp were elected in alberta i went to a number of mla breakfasts i can't remember what i was trying to do or, this is in 2015 yeah, who i was here. trying yeah. to suck up to and why but uh, I went to a number of breakfasts, and I remember meeting these this first crop of of MLAs, and leaving going, "Oh fuck, they're not good." And yeah, I mean, it it did color my impression, and uh, you know, I, they did get better, um, but yeah, it did it did leave a stain, like it didn't it left a mark, and uh, I wish that it hadn't, but. It did. Corey, I, and the question is really about, is it is it there's there more risk than we may think in terms of the reward? Clearly, you've spelled it out and it's compelling. Talk to me about the risk side on that on that sense. Well, Carter, I, look, I'll say two things. One is I remember going to actually that Ismaili breakfast in 2015 mm-hmm. and running into it must have been seven of them new MLAs. Just talking to each yeah. other. I think we circle. were there together. Yeah, yeah you yeah. and I were yeah, there. Yeah, we were there together. Yeah, 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 that's right. It was and them, and and for some reason, Tom Mulcair showed up. And <laughs> as, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. the Stampede, man, what a trip. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, this is twenty, this twenty fifteen, folks. This is he was the leader of the official opposition. And, you know, he was on the pathway of winning it. Yeah, yeah. he was like leading in the polls. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I I had a similar reaction to Stephen. Not nearly as harsh. More like. Oh boy, they don't know how to network at all, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. They, this is—they've got some pretty foundational political skills that they need to develop. Like I'm like we talk about ministers, oh, my God, like these these people don't know how to be candidates, let alone MLAs, yeah. right? And I think that's what I want to underline. It was such an extraordinary election. People who thought they were paper candidates who didn't do any campaigning won. That happens once in a blue moon. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, blue moons actually happen yeah, much happen more frequently quick. than that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, like, I can think of 84 with Mulrooney. I can think of 2015 with mm-hmm. Notley. I can't really think of a ton other than that. You know, it happens every now and then. I'm sure your province has an example wherever you are listening to this, but that's a bit of an extreme one. The reality is the risk should not be for somebody who's been a candidate and has gone door to door and has gone to a ton of events that they come off like a totally you know, uh, unapproachable dumbass. Like that That should not be the risk. They should have some of those foundational networking, glad-handing skills by this point. The risk should be more, what have they committed to? Have they optimized this? Have they captured any data? Mm. You know, are they any good at that? And those are the skills that I think you can build in those 10 days. Like at the end of the first day, if you look back and you're like, I, I don't know who I met and I have no notes and I didn't interact with anyone, they probably still feel okay with it. You should feel bad with it if you're a politician. And so, you know, it it depends on where you are on the curve. Obviously, 2015 provides us a very low on the curve example that we've all given examples to now. But I guess guess the point that I have is, would you train, would you you have people, would you still be like, the risk is low enough that you're going to have enough interactions. We're not going to pre-train you for having these conversations. Just get out there and whatever happens on the back end, you'll be better for it because this is a four-year exercise, not a 10-day one. No, no. I mean, I think there's a difference between like saying like you've all got to go to remedial stampede camp for a week and and saying, here's some instructions that I am providing you here. And I do want to get back to this notion of like the drunk on power, actually drunk MLAs, right? Like. You have to say, like, like the bigger risk for me is like they start to really feel themselves. They just got elected. They think they can conquer the fucking world. Can I tell you as a former bureaucrat what's annoying about new governments? They think they can conquer the fucking world. And then, you know, a year later, they, they're they the exact opposite. Like they're afraid of their own shadows. They're in total bunker mode, right? Like this is the arc of every new government. And there are such hazards with that first step, but it's all ego-driven. It's all attitudinal. And as as the leader, as the leader's staff, you have a role to play in telling them, like, yeah, fucking watch it. You know, and Jim Dinning tells a story about how, like, when you're an MLA, when you're a minister in particular, like, wear your honorable lightly. Like, don't act as though you're the biggest shit in shit town just because you happen to be a minister of the crown. Yeah. Like, you've got to be a lot more grounded than that. Carter, here's if you buy my frame I, I posed to Corey, which is, you know, uh, before Stampede, you're trying to make friends, or before the, the Stampede before an election, I should say. You're trying to make friends. Yeah. Stampede after an election, in some way, everyone is trying to be your friend, right? If you, if you kind of buy that that overarching framework, three Stampedes from now, these people will need some friends. The folks that have now the asymmetry in some way. So the question I have for you is, what lessons, if any, would you have people for their for politicians for their retail exercise over the course of the next 10 days? And let's just expand it to every corner of this country over the barbecue circuit over summer, right? How would you what would you advise people in terms of making their retail robust in terms of making it memorable so that it's they're not just there for the transaction that they can hopefully in three years from now count on some of people, some of these folks that they've interacted with to be their friends. You've got Corey's challenge of not overcommitting or not yeah. narrowly committing in certain cases, right? Uh, you've got your sort of scheduling sort of opportunities, but people want to get to know you. How do you, in the most macro sense, roll that up three years from now 
in terms of them being there for you. Because that's ultimately what you're in the business for. As much as it's getting shit done, it's also that. So talk to me on the macro as we finish off this topic. As a politician's goal, their fire hose that is Stampede, their fire hose that is this summer for many of them. How do, in, in the Alberta case, three years from now, these folks, whether they're on the opposition or government side, count on the folks that they interact with to come be there for them. Learn from the greats. And and the greats in this particular uh, marketplace of, of, of retail politics. I look at um, Brian Mulrooney and the sainted Kent Hare, uh, who we've re- referred to as one of the best retail politicians that we've ever seen. And the reason is they are genuinely interested in you and they remember details about you. Right. There are cards created. There are briefing notes. The the body person whispers in the, the principal's ear. This is the person. This is who you're about to meet. This is what they care about. This is when you last saw them. These are the names of their children. All of that information is internalized by the by the principal and remembered and used. So you're going to blow that guy off. You're not going to see them. You're not going to have the meeting. You're not going to give them the project that they want. But they're going to feel like you were remembering them, that they were important to you, and that you were fighting for them even if you couldn't deliver um, what they wanted from you. That's a super important uh, technique to use, and the greats of it almost make it look like it's absolutely seamless. But the greats are hiding the work, like the greats in anything, right? The greats in podcasting, like the three of us. We just, we (laughs) nail it every time because we make it look easy, right? It's not easy. And, and, you know, the Kent Harris and the, and the, the, the Mulroonies, these people make it look easy when it requires discipline and it requires work. Remember people's names. When you see them again, give them a little nudge, make them feel like, you know, I remember you, you're important to me. That's the way to make these things successful. Corey, your, your macro advice uh, in that same question. Well, so we've, We've talked about this through a couple of different angles. One thing that Stephen introduced here that I think is really important is if you're a politician and you know that their goal is to feed you their one message and their biggest ask, you mm-hmm. really you really want to wow them? You show you know who they are. You show you know what their ask is. You show you know what their objectives are right from the jump. Like, oh, like imagine he runs into uh, you, Zane, right? Yep. And, uh, of course, you are uh, a member of the board of the Strategist Media Corporation. Says, oh, yep. Zane Velji. Uh, yeah, you're, you're on the board of the Strategist Media Corporation. You're, you're like the person who's on the show fourth most frequently. That's pretty That's cool. Really That's really good, yeah. Really impressive. Yeah. And, um, I, and, of course, that will make you feel good because he knows who you are. I'm in the, the top scenario. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're in the top four. <laughs> yeah. You're almost on the podium. Yeah. And uh, – and then when he starts talking about that strategist media corporation tax cut, which you've obviously been pushing for, which is why we sent you to the NDP campaign to begin absolutely. with. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. And I got it done. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell us why you lost yet, well, Zane? Do you want to tell us yeah, why you lost? Why'd you lose, Zane? Are we ready for that like, episode? When's that yet? episode happening? Because it's like, it's the one hour mark of this podcast, but I'd be willing to do another hour right now on that. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Anyhow. Point being, if it show, if he knew that you had the interest in that Strategist Media Corporation tax credit, knew who you were, you're going to remember that. Because again, that's your most important interaction of the day. It wasn't anything to the politician, but wow, that's going to set you up for an amazing relationship over those next few years. 
How how would a, a Carter, a politician, know that? Would that be like just pre-homework, being like, here's your top 50 stakeholders. Minister, you got to know their file. Here's who you're going to see. If you see this person, remember that's Ed. Remember that's John. Remember that's Joanne. Remember that's Zane. And and these are the stakeholders that reach out to us most frequently. Uh, like, how would you coach that? Into, I'm, I'm just now actually tactically curious, more so than strategically curious in that regard, Carter. I mean, we literally used to use cards. We would say, these are the people you're going to run into. Uh, this breakfast is going to have these people at it. This is the, you know, the president's breakfast. The president's breakfast always has the following types of people at it. Here's, here's going to be, table. you know, yeah. here's what you need to remember from them. Uh, and then we would brief on the way in. I mean, this is why it's so hard on the staffer. Staffer drops the person off at home at the end of the day, and then immediately begins their study for tomorrow. It is a tremendous amount of work. Corey? Yeah, you know, before there was Facebook, we used to make Facebooks. Stephen will remember this. It was literally like a book. This is the person's picture. This is a few nuggets on them that you need to know that will allow you to have interactions with them. Like you've met them before. They care about this. These are their interactions. And a good politician has, especially if you're a minister, has a robust enough staff that at least the important people you're going to have on there, like the important to you, I mean, like there might be other important people, but you have objectives as well going out as a minister. Oh, I've got to have a relationship with them, with that person. And then, and you're going to be able to go out and you're going to be able to just like, bam, hit the ground running, walk right up to them and and talk to them about that strategist media corporation tax credit. Well, Carter, here's the final question. As, and, uh, and I'm gonna, Go ahead. End us off. Well, no, I forgot what I was going to say, Zane, but I was going to say something here's brilliant. Here's a question. It was oh, so as good. As the fourth yeah. most um, frequent person on this pod, I have a question okay. for you, Carter. Here's a final question. On both sides of the equation, for those who want to ask the government of something and those politicians who are going to be out there for the next 10 days, are you trying to become friends with one another or is this different? This is Right, because at the end of the day, there is a transaction that is to be had, but that transaction can be coded in friendship, and I put friendship in air quotes for those that can't see, or it could be actual true friend. What are you like, what is the best way to get your shit done? And is friendship what people are looking for in a certain way? And I know it's a weird question. But I think it's an appropriate one, given what we're trying to do. You interact with someone multiple times over a week, you might be able to call them a friend by the time two Sundays from now sort of thing. So I guess that is my question. Is that one of the sub-objectives, so to speak, on either side of the equation? And, and I'm curious because I know that is some people's strategy in that regard. I mean, they could, I, I'm, they I could certainly to- try and, and they may be able to create something that vaguely resembles friendship. But I remembered what I was going to say, and that is a good staffer is also telling the minister what they are not able to agree to, right? So Mm-mm. if you're, if you're the minister, point. if you're in this, uh, or you're the minister, you're in the MLA, Go back to Corey's initial point, right? Do not commit to something that this government cannot stand by. In fact, don't commit to anything at all because you don't know what this government can stand by because you're the junior minister. I mean, everyone's a minister. Everyone's a critic. So everybody's got a a role, (laughs) but no one's got the ability to say yes. And, you know, being able to say no, um, I mean, we can say no to our friends, to be sure. I mean... You've said no to Corey and I about recording, what, five, six hundred times in the last couple of months? <laughs> Minimum. And, Minimum. you know, we, we, I mean, we take it a little personally now, but, you know, we get past it. You leave me on red for the most part. Even if I say I've got serious we medical do now. issues. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I left, I mean, left on red. Serious medical issues. How many okay. fucking times do you think you're going to be able to use that with us? I mean, how many times? Because <laughs> it's getting old. That's all I have to say. Yeah, it is getting old. Um, Corey. Yeah, no, it's, it's old. Are you done? I'm done now.
Same question for you. Corey, friendship. Is that a goal? I mean, the word friend has been seriously diluted if you can make one over like a couple of stampede events, right? That's the Facebook version of friend, I suppose. Sure, but, sure. I put it. I still put it in quotes. Yeah, I don't think it's friendship. I, I mean, friendly, I think, is a valuable tactic for both sides to foster, yep. right? Like, you want to be friendly with these individuals because that gets you a certain yeah. charity in the interactions, right? And I remember Scott Bryson. Um, you, Carter and I are both telling stories about back when we were body... Like, I, I didn't work for Scott Bryson, but I was staffing him at an event this way yeah. back uh, in, in the 2000s. He just joined the Liberal Party. And um, I remember we were going to an event down south of Calgary. And I think it was the riding was McLeod. I was probably stopping and, the year before. Sorry. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> and and uh, Scott says, who's the local MP down here? And I can't remember who it was now. But uh, I tell Scott. And so Scott calls this person's personal phone number, which he's gone to the trouble of getting the personal phone numbers of clearly every MP in the country, yeah. in his mm-hmm. phone, right? And he says, hey, it's Scott. I just wanted you to know I'm doing an event and you're riding. This is the nature of the event. Anyways, hope you're doing really well. Take care. If you have any questions at all, you be sure to give me a call, right? Hangs up. He says to me, really great advice. I remember it. He's like, you know, it's not like he's going to stop punching me, but maybe he'll punch me a little lighter next time. And, and so there was this idea that just by creating that friendly relationship, you mm-hmm. made it a little harder for the punch to land hard. And so, um, so that's useful. That's useful for a politician. That's useful for somebody who is trying to um, to get something out of a politician. And and so, yeah, you should aim for friendly. It's, but know that friendly is a tactic and know they're not your actual friends. My God. I mean, how many actual friends can a human being, an adult human being have? I have one. Now subtract. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it so funny? It's funny because there's I, two I of us here right I, now, Zay. I, I, I That's the I don't joke. Think it's me. I don't That's think the it's joke. Me. I wrote myself out very quickly. Uh, yeah, uh, is, it the, is it the two middle-aged white dudes laughing in unison? Or is it the brown guy that he's friends with? I fucking wonder. All right. Well, the point being, maybe a handful... And now you're a politician, meaning you you don't have any free time. Like they're not actually going to be your friends. You're not going to call them up when this is all said and done. So just just know know what this game actually is. Carter, let's move it on to our over under in our lightning oh, round. We God. of course do this for yeah. you. Are you in or out from the pure relationship building? I ask you this every year on the Calgary Stampede. You in or out? You hate it? You leave? You go away? I know you do all that, but if you have something you want done. Or if you're a minister or an MLA or a candidate or federal government, city council, whatever, it doesn't matter. Are you in or out, Carter? Over. I'm out. I mean, I I don't know if I'll, if I need to talk to a minister. You know what I do? I pick up the fucking telephone and I call a minister. Boom, it's done. Because you're friends with them. Because I'm friends with them, and and they fear yeah okay me. perfect and Thank they you so fear much. me. <laughs> they fear me. Uh, I don't know if that's the word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they fear you are a cautionary tale. If that's oh, what you mean, Carter's one friend. Is is yeah. constantly rotating. It's a, it's a one, one friend rotation. And it's just, yeah. it's <laughs> one at a time. Yeah, one yeah at it's a time. sequential. It's like old rotation. Christmas lights. Yeah. Uh, Carter, Thursday morning, what we meet for coffee? I think it's going to be me. Uh, Corey, question for you. You in or out, all things considered, on the Calgary Stampede? Uh, I mean, as 
I, I, I'm in. I think that when you think about it in terms of politics, relationships matter. They matter a lot to your stakeholders, as we mentioned. Like, how many 10-day periods are you going to find, I don't know, literally a thousand people who are desperate to talk to you and are excited to tell you what matters to them? Like, as that's a politician, every that's Every 10-day period for me. Yeah. This yeah. is all the time. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, and... I'll, I'll say, as a politician, each of those interactions may matter less to you than an out-of-stampede interaction, just because it's such a saturated day. There's so many things going on. But the sheer volume of interactions you have more than makes up for that. Like, it's just, it's the Super Bowl of politics in Alberta. It really is. And by the way, not just it's Alberta. Canada. We've been focusing yeah. a lot on Alberta. Fucking every federal politician is going to be in this city in the next 10 days as well. You know, everyone, they're all going to drop in. They're all going to do these things because everybody is already here. It's like, it's the original network effect. Like people are just expected to be at the Calgary Stampede. Boy, are you in or out? This may have been happening for a long time, but I, I hadn't heard about it until this time. Um, the city of Edmonton is hosting a Stampede event of its own. They're they're shipping, they're bringing their stars, their mayor, folks from their city council. They're coming to Edmonton. They're hosting their own events, I believe, later this week. Are you in or out on that strategy for for the fine city of Edmonton 3 hours north of us? So, I didn't hear this. So, the city of Edmonton's coming to Calgary and running an Edmonton event in Calgary? That is correct. How yes. did we not get invited? This is Yeah, that's, I don't even that's know if I was thing. invited. Uh, I, I don't even know if I was invited. But I know it's happening. Wait, uh, the way you said I makes you think me think that you think you would be on the invite list ahead of me and Steve. Yeah, this yeah. is very oh, I 100% upset. would be. Yeah. Uh, frankly, <laughs> if I show up, uh, I will, I, it's Edmonton. Fuck, are you kidding me? I would make the party. Are you? Are, are, uh, but That's a fair point. On a strategy level, what do you think of that? It's almost like, you know, it, it's like uh, tourism sort of strategy in some ways, right? Like, but, but I'm kind of want your take on this. Yeah, in, in like, listen, in some ways, it's Stephen Carter's advice about like his client. Do I go to the event or do I hold my own event writ large? Do I try to get everybody to K-Days or, or Expo, at, at whatever Edmonton's calling their thing now? Or do I go to the Calgary Stampede, the greatest outdoor show on earth where literally everybody already is it kind of makes sense like i don't know i mean like as an edmontonian my ego might be a little bruised to have to come to the calgary stampede but it makes a ton yeah, of but sense the edmontonians you know, won't be able to read about it or anything because they you know like so many listeners in edmonton oh. yeah there were until this yeah. last like past well if, if if that event is indeed real please invite us and and one of us uh may or may not attend um carter are you in or out on it oh I'm just saying, I'm I spent in. half my adult life in Edmonton. Okay, and this is not I'm a little bit pissed like, that I, I, I wasn't invited, <laughs> to be honest. If I don't get events to say no to, I don't even know how to yeah. proceed. That's a fair yeah. point. So Carter, is our, Carter, final final question sure. for you. Advice for the federal parties heading into Stampede. Um, generic advice. You can get specific if you'd like, if you want to tease it out for the liberals. and the, they're, they're in a different sort of election cycle, but they also might be, this might be the Stampede before an election, like we never know, right? Like, so this could, but it's also, Alberta. So there's also a different dynamic here when you're looking at the entire map. But any advice you'd give them? Are you loaning some of Corey's advice and saying, bring your MPs out here, make this a sandbox for retail politics that you can use at the doors? Are you what are you what are you kind of thinking of if you're giving advice to the federal parties heading you know, heading into stampede season starting in a couple of days? I mean, I think that everybody has to come out and do their thing, but I don't think that like if I'm the NDP, I'm not thinking you know, this is this is the time that we're going to turn it all around. Like, have reasonable expectations for what it is that you think you're going to be able to do, and and just focus on those reasonable expectations. It's it's 
it's mandatory, but it is not expected that you're going to change your entire future uh, just because you attend the the Calgary Stampede. Like, don't give away your your principles. Just come out, have a good time, stay sober. Corey, final word to you: advice for the federal federal parties as they head into Calgary Stampede season. Well, I think really just having clarity as to what you want out of it, the interactions you want to have, the people you want to meet. If you're the NDP, is it a chance to get all of like the NDP organizers who are going to naturally be meeting because of the, their provincial strength and try to get your claws into them if you're the federal party? Is that your strategy? If you're the liberals, is it to build connections with power brokers in downtown Calgary? Or that's going to dictate what events you go to, uh, you know, where you're seeing and what you do. Just having clear intentions and building your agenda around them rather than just treating it as like, well, I got to go to Stampede. I got to check that box or we got to send somebody to Stampede. So they're going to go to Stampede and knowing what you're trying to do will dictate a lot of what follows. The problem with any major event like this, which becomes like this calendar tentpole where everybody has to go, Mm -hmm. is it becomes an objective in its own right. And people forget why it was an objective in the first place, like why they bothered to go to these events. So refocusing on outcomes, being really strong with yourself as to metrics, the things you're going to get done, the people you're going to meet, the volume of activity. That's my advice to federal parties. We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1080 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, my only friend, Corey Hogan. And we'll see you next time.